What is up, Bridgerunner Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. We are episode number 34 with repeat guests Jacob Conrad and Gabe Rainwater, both of whom went 200 plus miles. Yes, you were there, right? 200 plus miles at Biggs Backyard Ultra in Tennessee two weekends ago. This is and was a fantastic show. Both of these guys are super talented, tough runners, and we were very excited to talk to them about their experiences down at Biggs. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. I am back. John Dolovacki is back. It feels like it's been a long time since I've been on and I posted the show, but we could not be more excited about tonight than the two guests that we have on here. Gabe Rainwater and Jacob Conrad. They ran 200 and 204 miles, respectively, at the Bigs Backyard Ultra in Bellbuckle, Tennessee. Two truly incredible performances, not counting all of the other incredible results they've had uh, as Ohio Ultra runners. We don't even have time to really cover all of those. I feel like I'd be talking for the entire show just trying to introduce these guys. But we are so stoked and so grateful to have them on tonight. Gabe and Jacob, welcome to the show. How are y'all doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. Good. Having me. That's good. Uh, what about you, John? I'm doing great today, except for the uh, cloudy and cold weather. So, other than that, though, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Fall weather is a little moody sometimes. I'm actually kind of a fan of it over here. Um, nope. What are you drinking tonight, John? Uh, this evening, I have a Great Lakes Brewing Company, um, the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. Uh, I figured porters are appropriate for the colder months of the year. So what are you drinking over there, Cam? So I've got a, uh, once again, what's become my staple, a Jackie O's Under a Cloud IPA. Maybe because I bought like three six-packs of them uh, like a month ago, and I'm slowly working through them as these shows go past. But anyways, uh, Jacob, what about you tonight? Oh, my son's making a surprise surprise appearance here. I think my daughter's going to poke in too for a second. But I'm also drinking a porter. It's a Yenwin Hershey's chocolate porter. Okay, Maddie. Wait, bye. <laughs> Say bye to the camera. Okay, go up there to mommy. Bye, camera. Bye, camera. It was nice to get a uh, guest <laughs> appearance there. <laughs> Yeah, special appearance. Mm -hmm. They were and pretty pumped up about it, so I told them they could poke you <laughs> We always love a, love a surprise guest. Gabe, uh, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? Well, I just cracked open a Master Brew Kombucha uh, Pineapple Peach. Nice. So I've oh, been drinking nice. beer all week. <laughs> I've been drinking beer all week, and I've decided to start hydrating again <laughs> pretty good choice that's yeah that's usually the smart choice to be making but you know say i didn't get to where i'm at in running ultras by making all smart choices <laughs> anyways uh to kind of kick things off tonight uh i've already mentioned a little bit in the introduction but you guys have both run not only a number of ultras but a number of backyard ultras including bigs so before this last race how do you feel going into things you've got both got a decent amount of experience doing this exact format. Did you change your training up at all from any past buildups, anything like that? Uh, Jacob, if you want to lead us off. Uh, I guess I tried to keep the training pretty similar after qualifying and knowing I was going. I did try to at least once a week incorporate walking, running. I just try to get out and you know, do a quick power hike, maybe just a mile or two to a run. You know, try to get it down to about 15 or 30 pace. And then I guess I did some longer runs where I didn't really worry about pace. I knew, you know, goal race pace was 14 miles. So I just tried to do some extra long runs and kind of purposely run them a little slower than I normally would. But other than that, pretty normal training. You know, I didn't go crazy with miles and so tried to mix in a little bit of faster stuff. Okay, and what about you, Gabe? Um, well, so I ran Bob's uh, Big Timber um, Backyard Ultra and 
I, that kind of kicked off my training, I guess, for bigs, um, which I, I didn't know I was in bigs um, right away, but I soon found out that I was in. So that kind of kicked off my training. And then I had, I think, uh, or let's see, August was my second biggest month mileage-wise ever. Um, and September was my biggest mileage month ever. Um, so I guess I stepped it up little bit um and i also did some more running and walking uh because i watched jacob's uh, what worked well for him at bob's and i i sort of took away uh, and tried to learn from what he did so i did that strategy um sort of walk or run two and a half walk mile and a half uh, in training and i seen i liked it um so I kind of changed my my strategy from what I'd done previously. So. All right, and so um, because this uh, year we had the uh, the new team aspect, right, where the backyard ultra was happening virtually in all of these different countries across the world, um, did that change your mindset at all going into this race? I mean, you still have to have two people to keep running, but there was now this new aspect where you were all representing the United States in some new way that maybe you weren't before. Uh, tell us about what you thought about that. And uh, Jacob, you can start. I guess for me personally, no, it didn't change too much. I was excited to be on the team, but the goal was to just go as long as I could. So I guess having the team, like, being on a team and everybody being supportive, you know, it, it helped to have people encouraging there. But ultimately, the goal was to just go as far as I could. So the farther I could make myself go, the better it would be for the team. But actually being in the race, the team aspect was pretty fun because everybody was really encouraging and really, really well in the field. So that was probably one of the neatest experiences about the race, just how you know, everybody would encourage and go up and ask whoever you wanted, you know, hey, how did you do this? How do you like that? You know, and they give the answer. So that part was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. What you gave. Yeah. I, well, I didn't really uh, get into the too much of the team thing till I was actually running and we were actually sort of in it. Um, and it got later on in the race. So like my last from like 150 to 200 miles, it was sort of motivating, um, to be having the team competition because I think Laz was really into it. And I was kind of, I was the last one for the last 50 miles of, or yeah, from a, from 150 to 200 miles, I was sort of the last one coming in every time. And Laz uh, knew that I was sort of keeping the team in things. And so, and he seemed to really be into the team aspect of it. So it was kind of cool because he was cheering, I think, more than he normally would uh, because I was coming in and I kept helping the team by getting loops. Um, yeah. So other than that, yeah. Yeah, because it's definitely like very interesting. So it was cool. I mean, it was, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I didn't really, while I was running, I had a, a little bit of, you know, people were telling me how we were doing as a team, but it wasn't like sort of the forefront. Like Jacob said, I, we were just trying to go as long as we could. Um, so that's, but yeah. So, in, so yeah. in addition to the, the U.S. aspect of it, um, there was quite a few Ohioans and especially Ohioans who decided to pretty much dominate this year's Biggs Backyard Ultra. How does that make you guys feel um, coming from here as well? You want to go first, uh, Gabe? Uh, yeah, so that yeah, was cool. Um, I mean, my going into it, like Harvey was kind of the the leader in the um, and we sort of fell in behind him. Um, and I mean, it was pretty cool when, 
I think it was around, I think it was about 150 miles. Olivier dropped out, did not make the loop back. And so the three males that were left were me and Jacob and Harvey. And uh, it was like, wow, we're all three from Ohio and we're the last three males on the U.S. team. Um, so that was pretty cool. And the women, I mean, the women and also just in general, the U.S. women were extremely strong. I mean, they were unbelievable. And then Jordan, uh, we were, me and Jacob were running and we were just, we were like, man, I wish Jordan was out here with us, but yeah, next year. Fun. Or more fun. Well, you, uh, Jacob, did that Ohio part add any as- extra um, interesting aspects for you or? Oh, I think it helped ease my mind a little bit, especially before the race. Because I, I wouldn't say like I'm close friends with Harvey, but I've met him before. So we were fully holding maybe 50 minutes at a game. So we had to set up tents and kind of walking around, you know, where do we go? What do we set up? And you know, there's Harvey say, hey, hey, I'm a big met before from Ohio. And well, we could set up our tents right here. So we actually got, we had 10 by 10 canopy tents and we kind of set up our own little Ohio corner got a good start or a good spot right for the start line so we actually ended up together and then it was just nice to have a couple faces i knew there to you know, kind of ease into the race and then harvey's pretty knowledgeable about different strategies and techniques to do during the race so that was helpful as well yeah yeah and harvey harvey loves giving advice and telling stuff and so he was he was always telling us, like, he told me to change my shirt and put sunscreen on and all that kind of stuff. So he was, I mean, it was good to have him as, um, helping us out. And we, we took some of his advice to heart and some of it, we just said, nah, we're, we're all right. <laughs> yeah. So before we change um, subjects and go further into the race itself, um, I just want to remind everyone that this is a live show, so you can ask questions in the um, chat. Uh, we are both monitoring that, so drop those in there as well. Um, if you don't follow us on YouTube, go ahead and follow us on YouTube. We're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Go ahead and give a like if you follow, if you enjoy what we're doing and want us to continue to produce more. But I'll let Ham take the next question, and I have to jump off for a couple seconds. My camera is acting up, so I'll be right back. All right, and so while uh, John handles that, um, let's really kind of dig into the meat of the race here, guys. Um, let's talk any particular highs or lows you had. I know it was 200, 204 miles, uh, so probably a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, but what are the things that come up the most thinking back on this race now, a few days out? You know, the most extreme moment of joy that you had on a course, the thing that hurt the most to do, the best food that somebody's up, somebody else's crew gave to you just on a whim, uh, anything like that. And Gabe, if you want to start us off this time. Yeah. So the first day I ate, I was eating a lot of bacon uh, and avocado. Uh, I was just doing straight bacon, avocado, like wrapped up. Um, and then I moved to wrap, like turkey bacon, avocado wrap. Um, and then at night I was doing uh, broth, like chicken bone broth and soups. Um, and then sort of after, yeah, and I did that. So I did that sort of combination to about 150 miles. And then at 150 miles, I, uh, I kind of just switched over to uh, spring energy gels um, and did those for about the rest of the way in a combination. I had a little bit more solid food, but my stomach was just kind of tired of eating. Um, so, and then my, like my, I think my lowest low, uh, was around a hundred and it was about 170 miles, um, where I really almost, stopped and turned around uh, and went back um but i just i was feeling like i just couldn't keep going and um but i didn't i was on i actually stopped on the side of the road uh and got down on all fours and it was like just 
you know, done, toast. And I asked myself, I said, why am I quitting? Why can't I keep going? And I couldn't, I couldn't find a good answer. There was not a good answer for that question. So I said, well, what should I do? And I said, well, I should do the next right thing. And the next right thing right now is to get up and to keep going to the turnaround. And I said to myself, I said, go to the turnaround. If you go all the way out to the turnaround and you come back and you time out and you can't make it back, then so be it. But go all the way at the turnaround and turn around and come back. So I got up and I started walking and then I started running and I got to the turnaround um, with about, I think I was at the turnaround about 30 or 29 minutes. Um, and then I ended up making it back in uh, with about two minutes, three minutes to spare. And that's how I did it. Like the last 50 miles was just, I, I never had more than a five minute break. Um, so, and I used it, I mean, I got to 150 miles and I said, this is, you know, 12 more hours to my, sort of my ultimate goal. Um, and all I had to do was 50 miles in 12 hours. And I thought I can, I can do that. Even if I don't take breaks, I can just continuously run a 14 minute mile. So that's kind of my mindset for the last 50. Um, so that was, and then about 175 miles or 170 miles was when that low happened where I almost stopped. And then I got through that and then I was like, well, now I'm, I've gotten close enough to my goal of 200 that I just kept fighting. Um, and then the highest high was probably just finishing 200 miles. Um, but then the next day I was like, why didn't I go back out on that trail loop? Why didn't I start the next loop? I should have just started it, but I was pretty wiped out. <laughs> so. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense, Gabe. I was, uh, I was actually just thinking to ask, it was like, well, you know, with that mindset, um, you know, that you had at like mile 170 where it's like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep moving, right? Uh, yeah. When you got to 200, was eclipsing 200 just sort of the ultimate goal? And you were like, I have reached all my goals for this race. I can be done now. Or uh, what was sort of the thought process at that point? Well, to be honest, my ultimate goal was to do one more loop than Jacob. Um, <laughs> that was always my goal. Um, but I was really, I mean, I got to 200 miles. And I came in, I think, like with a minute in 15 seconds or something right around there. And I mean, I was on the road. I was basically just, I was a glorified power walk. And I just felt like the trail, when I got to the trail, um, I wasn't going to be able to just, I mean, I could hardly pick my legs up. I was just shuffling. Um, but like I said, I really, looking back on it, I wish I would have at least started it. Um, the other thing about bigs is even for the trail loop, you, you start out on the road, you do this. It's about a quarter mile out on the road. You turn around a quarter mile back before you, excuse me, you hit the trail. So that road and it was downhill and then you turn around and come back uphill. And so I really like when I was coming up that, and it's the same road on the road loop. So I just come up that hill and I thought about going back down it and turn around and coming back. And I was just like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Um, so, but like I said, that's the backyard, backyard ultra running is no matter what happens, you basically the next day, you're like, why didn't I go back out? Why didn't I do one more? Um, why didn't I at least try? But so that's the hindsight, but looking, I mean, in all honesty, it was, it was great. And it was, I mean, I was completely spent. So. But then I was, I was slightly, I mean, so then Jacob went out on his, he started the next loop and he was running phenomenal, like all night, all the second night. He was still, I'm pretty sure he was coming in like 50 minutes. Um, and he was just running great. And so then he went out 
to start the trail and I was done and I laid down and went, I basically fell asleep. And then, so then I didn't find out how far he had gone for a couple of hours. So that's, that's how it happened. All right. And then, uh, what about you, Jacob? Um, what were any of those, you know, big, uh, moments that you remember from the race, you know, um, sort of like take us through it. What happened? Okay, so I guess for highs, there weren't any, like, super, super high parts. So Gabe and I started mm-hmm. off running. I, I forget how far it was. It might have been the first 75 miles or so. Gabe and I ran together, and we were doing you know, kind of a run-walk strategy, like Gabe was saying. So we'd run about half miles and walk it in, and maybe up to 100 miles and beyond at this belt first night it almost felt boring just because of how easy it was just going going smooth you know, kind of enjoying chatting with different people and you know there were a little bit of nerves at first and then just settled settled into a good groove and just everything was feeling super good super easy no issues I was eating well I ate pretty much the same thing the whole time I'd come in have half a banana, some chips, and a cookie, and uh, mix in tailwind every other loop. Everything was just clicking along, going uh, really, really smoothly. I guess for me, the big low point would be the second night, I think it was, that we were running 11 trail loops and 13 road loops, just uh, the way the race started this year. It ended up being that way with the daylight and at night but then uh, once we hit 150 miles and i came in off the road my strategy had been to try to run you know 47 48 minutes on the road and lay down and try to sleep and i came in i was feeling pretty good and i laid down and the whistle start blowing and i go to get up and my right leg is pretty well locked up seized up i had had a whole bunch of tightness in my hamstring. And I thought at this point, you know, like, okay, this could be it. Like, I don't know if I can I can get going again. So kind of stretched, you know, did some troubleshooting, you know, gonna get out there and start the loop. So kind of shuffled out of the corral and about a quarter mile down the road it loosened up and I was just I was able to prove came in about I don't know, I was pretty consistent. 47, 48, a couple 49s through the night. But then it was the same same thing. I was trying to play the game, you know, the long game of I need to sleep to stay in this. And each loop, the loop was pretty painful. And then about a half mile to, you know, three quarters of a mile, yeah, it loosened up and just get a minor noise. So I come in and lay down and I was still making sleep priority but then when i get up it would be really tough to get up and then kind of hobble up the corral and hobble out of the corral but then you know, the down was pretty painful but once i could get going i could run fine it wasn't bothering me that much I, mean, I could tell it was there but i could deal with it so it was kind of just the same thing all the way up to mile 200 it's like okay you know i can deal with this road loop was too bad and I was a little concerned about how the trail loop would go but I knew I wanted to go out there and give it a try so we got to 200 which that was pretty cool there were five of us that made it which was really neat so, you know okay I'm going to give it a try I'm not sure how this trail loop's going to go but I'm going to try it so went out and kind of got things going on the road again you know, the downhill was painful we you know, the first quarter mile was pretty much all downhill. Turned around, came up a little hill. I was kind of able to just shuffle up that. Legs got going and uh, got out, out there on the trail. And I was watching my pace. I was I, I was about a 13-minute mile, which was fine. That would get in plenty of time. And then as I got, got out on the trail, the uphills were okay. But the downhills were just kind of excruciating. As I continued that loop, I just got tighter, tighter, 
and tighter. In the previous few days, I've been able to run the downhills fast enough. I was able to walk all of the uphills. Well, it wasn't the case anymore. All of a sudden, I was actually faster on the uphills. And to make it in, in time on that loop, I knew I was going to have to run everything. So I did, but the effort level was way up there. So I came in from that loop, and it was, I think, 56 pattern, 56. 15 with plenty of time, but throughout that loop, the leg was just getting tighter, tighter, and tighter. So when I came in, I pretty much just stood in the corral. Well, I'm going to try to eat. I'm going to try to drink. You know, get calories in. I was still able to eat okay, but as I was standing there, I was kind of just lightheaded. And that previous loop to hit 204, it had been pretty difficult not to fall. So I was thinking, you know, at this point, like it's going to be very difficult to get another loop yet under the time. And I don't know that I'm feeling confident in my ability to navigate the trail. So, you know, I'm going to start and see what happens. So I'm kind of same thing. Shuffled out down the road, pretty painful. Turned around, sort of shuffling up the hill. And it was still painful. Leg was not loosening up. And uh, as I came back through the start corral at a you know, half mile into the loop, I just realized, you know, this isn't happening. Maybe I can sweep another loop out. But, you know, at this point, I think I'm just going to hurt myself by continuing. You know, like the leg was manageable, but it was feeling, you know, like something bad might happen. But kept on, so. Kind of promised myself I would keep going unless I felt like I was going to hurt myself or break myself. And I, I felt like I was at that point, so I dropped. And, you know, like Gabe was saying, you always think the next day, well, you know, could have, you know, would have done this. You know. But I think I was pretty, pretty truly done. So I'm content with where I stopped. remarkable that distance to trying to sleep in between it yeah, too, it, you're trying to get it out in and out like i yeah. mean what was it that did was it more of the sleep or the muscle fatigue that that really was that final straw well, for me it was the muscle muscle fatigue i think i don't know i haven't been to a doctor or keep running technique but i was still mentally pretty alert i was able to get a consistent know eight minutes of sleep every loop and i mean i was still pretty alert my left leg felt pretty good you know i am not sure what happened to my right leg but if it had been feeling like my left i had some miles left but you know i mean you run that far and you're going to have issues something's going to pop up and you know something yeah yeah so I want to jump into the chat. We got a couple questions uh, lined up in here. Um, first of which is from Alex Jackson, and he was kind of curious to what were or if any COVID protocols were in place at the race. Um, since you guys, I know it was like smaller groups this year, and I don't know how many crew members you were allowed to have on the site and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I guess the number one protocol is trying to limit the number of people there. You know, very small number of races. One group, and then just a couple eight guys. So just like you said, a couple people. Yeah, and then us. Yeah, the ten to be spaced out for the canopy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was only you were only allowed one crew member on site. Um, you could have two, but they couldn't. You had to rotate them. And then, like Laz, they didn't have. I don't think they had provided any. They may have had some water, but there wasn't any. Like we brought all our own stuff, and each runner was in their own canopy, ten by ten canopy. Um. So and then, it, yeah. So it was. I mean, I never felt like it was an issue. I think we. I think Harvey 
he wore a face covering in the starting crowd for a little while. Um, and then the crew, some of the crew had masks on, but not all of them. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the one advantage, you know, being but outside. It, so that was a big, yeah, easy, makes it a little yeah. easier to cope with or to manage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, there's probably, I mean, there was only like 30, maybe 35 people there. And 15 of them were running. So there was like, you know, Laz and his wife, and then two or three timing people, and then one crew per runner. So it was pretty low key. I think we got a couple yeah. more questions. If Cam wants to take the, the next one from Alex. Yeah, I got those. Alex Jackson actually asked our very next question, and he wants to know what was more taxing or a challenging of a race for each of you? running your fastest hundred miler or running 200 at bigs Gabe, if you want to start this one. Yeah. Um, it's different. I would still, I would still say running a fast marathon sucks. I mean, <laughs> over both of those, I've been, I've been more wrecked after running three hour marathon than anything. Um, so, but, this was probably more taxing, uh, 200 miles, just sleep deprivation, uh, and fatigue level. Like I never, I mean, at the time, like the pavement, I think the second round of pavement is what basically did me in, in the end. Um, but you're never, we were never running fast enough really to produce lactic acid. So I really wasn't even sore as much as I was just exhausted. Like I, I went for a walk a couple of days after that. And like, it just walked for 40 minutes and I was just completely wiped out. And even walking, it was like, I was kind of walking in slow motion. I'd go for a walk, like, or we'd be I'd walk around the store on the way home or get out at the gas station. And I felt like I was kind of in slow motion. Um, so 200 miles, uh, probably more taxing um so yeah now that would be quite a sight to see though gabe slow walking around the grocery store like he's slow motion that would be uh a humor, yeah. humorous yeah. well <laughs> and i and i'm not like in my daily life i'm actually i'm not that fast of a walker so i was just really really slow <laughs> all right and uh what about you jacob what was more difficult uh 200 at bigs or your fastest hundred miler uh, basically, I think, a, you know, a fast hundred miler is tougher, like trying to run fast and really be at your limit is tough. I mean, at big, I think I kind of, you know, like a injury pop up, but, you know, during, during the race, like trying to do a 50 and do it fast, like my legs hurt worse than they did at bigs, you know, now race when you know right leg kind of balloon ballooned up you know that was pretty painful but uh, i guess mentally it's, it's pretty exhausting it's, you know a multi-day commitment in a race like that I mean, you can't you've got to be pretty much engaged the whole time like you can't just you know oh i'm gonna take this lap off and you know rest you do that and you're out so physically i think trying to go fast but Mentally, a race like big, it's just kind of a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, David, I don't know how you feel, but like running a fast hundred, you know, you get close to the end and you're like, okay, it's 10 miles and I'm done. Yeah, it hurts really bad, but, you know, in an hour and a half, two hours, I'm just done. Sit down. That big, yeah. Okay, but another twelve hours. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's a complete mental. It's just a mental exhaustion, I think. Mm-hmm. All right, and so uh, Wesley Harton, um, our host emeritus, I guess, is also in the chat. He uh, wanted to know, Gabe, 
How big was it for you to break 150 miles, uh, that 150 mile mark in the race? Because your previous backyard ultras were, and I'm assuming you took right through your ultra sign up for this, uh, 129 miles, 134 miles, 150 miles, 133 miles, and 150 miles. Yeah. Um, no, it was big. So, uh, last year when I ran big, um, I got to 150 miles and I hit the road again. Um, and my body kind of just blew up on me. My foot started really hurting. And I think it was basically the pavement. Um, so I'm sort of a firm believer in, uh, gradual buildup. Um, I, for me personally, I don't feel like I can go from, you know, running a hundred miles to running 300 miles. It has to be a, a slow progression. So I was, uh, I'm really happy with my progression because like Wesley just pointed out my results, um, I'm slowly progressing. And so this year at Biggs, I hit the road, uh, at 150 miles, um, and felt basically fine. I had no issues. Um, so, uh, and I ran, you know, the whole 12 hours on the roads. Um, and basically when I hit 200 miles, I had, I felt like I did the year before at 150. Um, so that makes me feel that 250 is the next, um, stepping stone. Um, that's definitely achievable. Um, so yeah. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was really big to get past, to get past 150, 154. And then like I had my sights set on Michael Owen, um, cause I, he, in the virtual backyard, he'd done 160, maybe I don't quite remember, but I had that number. I went, I was going for that number. And then I had 175 that I was going for. And then after like, and then I got into the 180s. And I was like, well, I had, you know, this is, I've always wanted to run 200 miles. 200 miles has been a goal of mine basically since my first hundred. And I just kept telling myself that, you know, you have no reason. This is the time to run 200 miles. There's no reason to stop. Um, so that was sort of my progression there mentally, but for sure it was, it was great to get past the 150 and, you know, keep moving. And, uh, you said 250, so you, 250 is going to be next year's goal, right? Or is it just going to go to 300? Uh, 250. So two, I, I slept for probably two and a half minutes or something the first night, and that was all the sleep I got. The second night, I was like I said, I was running close. I was basically just running with the maximum of about three minutes, four minutes um, break. So I feel like physically, uh, 250, I can do, um, and not have to change my sleep, like, and not have to sleep to do 250. And then a third night, uh, I'll have to let you guys know how that goes <laughs> without sleep, a third night without sleep. I, so I, you know, I may have to. I'll have to figure out how to sleep because I haven't quite figured, I haven't figured that out. I haven't been fast enough maybe to really sleep. So sounds like Jake, I mean, Jacob, I feel like slept better than I did. Um, yeah. I kind of had a, it's a, yeah. Well, and there's, I also feel like it's also a fine line between effort uh, that you put out. Um, so, you know, if you're running a 50 minute loop or a 55 minute loop, the effort to knock those five minutes off as far as getting your heart rate up and getting your sweat rate up and getting like sort of your adrenaline going, there's, it's a fine line for me where sort of my happy place is. Um, so it's all, it's just a continuing learning and, um, you know, so, but yes, I, 250 is, you know, that's the next. That's the next goal, I guess. Um, so we got another question from Kyle Whittle. Whittle, Whittle. Um, it says, "How did your yeah, legs?" K Witt. Huh? I said, "K Wit." K Wit. 
How did you, how did your legs feel different from a fast hundred to a slower two day run? Um, in terms of how they felt during and then as well during afterwards and recovery and stuff. Uh, for me, my legs felt felt better both during and after. Uh, I think uh, recovery is actually been, you know, pretty short, and legs are feeling good already, better than they typically do after a hundred. So, and I think Gabe kind of had the had a similar experience. He told me that before I ran my, my first backyard, and I kind of thought you were just messing with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, the never producing sort of the lactic acid and the, like, oh, it never really was sore. It's just leg fatigue, maybe. But like now, I'm feeling pretty strong uh, and I feel pretty good. I think there's, there's a little maybe premature fatigue, um, but you know, we'll see. It seems to be definitely, um, definitely different. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that seems to be sort of the overarching backyard ultra experience because uh, obviously Gabe, I ran that first Ohio's backyard ultra where you were, and covered roughly one fourth of the distance that y'all did at base, um, and felt pretty wiped and timed out on that thirteenth lap. But then, after a couple of days, I was like, I feel kind of fine, and I was yeah. very shocked by that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And then you're like, Why didn't I run farther? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's been my that's my backyard experience. Is it's like two days later or even a day later, you're like. Why didn't I run farther? But yeah, like I said, I mean, running a fast marathon on a road wrecked me more than anything. So that's actually stopped running fast marathons on roads because <laughs> they're not that much fun. All right. And so uh, we got another question in the chat. This one is from Tom Alexander. It kind of mirrors a, uh, a question that we had actually scripted for tonight. He asks, how did the trails at Hunter Farm compare to Biggs? And so the question that we had wanted to ask was, what was um, y'all's favorite uh, section from any of the backyard ultras you've done? What was the best road section? And what was the best trail section? So maybe kind of get uh, both answers here. Jacob, if you want to start us off. Well, I guess uh, Tom's question, your question, is the same, the same in my case. So I've only run, run two and run here at Bob's and then, I'll have to say uh, I really enjoyed the trail section of Bob's just some of the timber it goes to it's pretty scenic but then uh, I, guess, I guess it's hard to say but I would say at Bibbs the road loop was nice because it was boring if that makes sense it was just a straight road only a couple turns it was all pavement so you could really tune out and kind of just just prove which it, it got boring but i think it helped in uh how far i was able to go at the race or you know you could almost put it in autopilot at night yeah you know, kind of come in brain dead and then you know i was able to kind of come in and sleep that's like i didn't have to focus very much on the road if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Every time I run at Bob's, it's muddy. So I hate Bob's. It's always muddy. <laughs> I mean, I, I swear, it's always muddy. But his his course uh, is similar elevation wise. It's similar to Laz's. Laz's has twice as many rocks. The footing is actually not that great. Um, and then the road, Laz's road is like Jacob said, is just autopilot. Um, Bob's road, he has no good roads, just paved roads. So it's it kind of sucks on his his road. Um, but you also don't get the pounding. So the pounding, I think, is also a downfall of mine 
on the pavement. Um, so, and then Ohio backyard, Ohio backyard actually has a nicer road. It has a, its road is comparable to Laz's road. Just a really simple out and back on pavement. Um, Ohio backyard is that they were on a two loop for the trail, two miles. You do it twice and it has a pretty steep climb in it. Um, that is by far the biggest climb of any of the three that I've done. Um, so that's been my experience. So that's, yeah. And then all those ones, it's interesting to hear which ones are better and why, and especially like that you guys have different opinions on some of the same exact trails and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Got another question from Kevin Beachy in the chat. And he said, um, did you, um, did you wear different shoes for the road or in the trail or were you guys wearing the same shoes the entire time or how did that work out for you? Guys? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wore, uh, my favorite trail shoe is the, uh, ultra Olympus. Um, so I had an older pair of Olympus that I wore the first day, the first 12 hours. And then, um, I went to, on the road, I went to the Hoka carbon, um, which I really enjoy as long as my legs are fairly fresh. Um, and I wore those for most of the first night. And then the second day I went, I had a brand new pair of Olympus. So I went to a brand new pair of Olympus for the second trail, 12 hours. Um, and then I had a pair of, uh, ultra paradigm that I was going to wear cause they uh, are a little more cushioned. Um, and I was going to wear those for the third night and I started in those. Um, and then my running form basically changed so much that I went back to the Hoka carbon because I noticed I was basically just, it was, like I said, it was a glorified power, power hike shuffle run type thing. And I was doing basically just jamming my heel, landing with my heel and the carbon just has a really sturdy heel. And I was just rolling off that carbon plate. Um, and I ended up finishing, I run the majority of the second night in the carbons. Um, and then my plan was, I was hoping I was going to actually wear the paradigms on the uh, trail for the third trail, um, but I didn't get there. So that was my shoe experience. And also, I, I probably took my socks off and reapplied lube on my feet um probably oh a half dozen times at least and i had no blisters like this is the first i mean not a single blister i had no blisters on my feet which was um great so yeah what about you jacob changing some shoes or no uh yeah i did change shoes so i started in a pair of pocket challengers and i I thought I might be able to just keep those on and uh, run the road in them as well. So we did the first 11 trail loops, and I had a couple of toes that were just feeling a little bit pinched. And I also, uh, it didn't bluster in the race, but it had blustered at Bob's, kind of the ball of my right foot. And then I did a pretty long training run in the, in the rain and got another bluster there so that spot was feeling kind of hot so we did the first uh, first 11 trail loop I thought okay my feet are feeling a little bit thin but you know take my socks off check out my feet I keep a couple spots getting a little hot you know, the ball of my foot being one and I had a pair of uh, Saucony ride just a you know, kind of a basic cushion trainer that you know I've uh, worn through a couple pairs of them and I put those on for the road, and they were just feeling really comfortable. So after the first night, I said, you know what? The trails are really dry. I'm going to give them a try. I had another pair of uh, Columbia, Colorado shoes. And I told my crew, have those ready, but I'm going to give these, you know, these rides to try out on the trail. And I tried them, and they did fine. They were actually feeling really comfortable on my feet. So I just wore those for the duration of the race, never really had any uh, 
conditions, although Harvey put the kicks on me. He's proud of that I was wearing uh, road shoes. And I think we were coming up 150 miles. Ago. He's been wearing them on the trail the whole time. He said, yeah, I haven't had any issues. So falling, and about 10 steps later, I cut my foot and almost fell. Mm-hmm. But never would have yeah. got myself in my hands. And, you know, like, like Gabe, I had a couple of those hot spots for him early, but took care of them. And no blusters, no, you know, no feet at all. So I was happy with how that worked out. It was nice not to have chewed up feet and, you know, dealing with you know, painful feet. And, uh, you know, all the other issues that come up in a race like that. Yeah. Yeah. I also wore gaiters for the first. Well, I started wearing them recently, but I wore gaiters on the trail, which I think helps keeps all the debris out. But yeah, any of that loose gravel and stuff and dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've got uh, two more questions actually in the chat right now, and the very first one is for Jacob, and it's Rob by you. I hope that's how you say that. Uh, he's asking Jacob, how were the performance of the uh, Exo Skin socks? Oh, uh, they were great. So the story behind that is uh, Exo Skin reached out and hey, you know, would you be interested? You know, talked with them a little bit. He always try the socks out if you like them. Wear them at the race. So I uh, tried them out and I liked them, and I uh, ended up wearing them the whole time. Uh, two pairs, so I thought, you know, while I'm changing my shoes after the first first trail loop, it's like, I'll just change your fresh pair. Wrong, so. And then after the shoe change, that mile 44, I just, you know, kind of kept rolling with what I had and, and felt comfortable. All right, that's... That's good to hear. And then uh, our second question from the chat was uh, Tim Crow, who was asking, who's going to take the top spot in the week in this weekend? Don't believe either of you are racing, so I don't know why he's looking for predictions. Wait, what was the question about Mohegan? <laughs> Tim Crow wants to know who's taking the top spot in Mohegan this weekend. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know either. It's wide open field. That's what I think the answer would be. I wish I had fresher legs. Uh, I think Dr. Crow really just uh, is reminding us that Wesley needs to make a prediction video for this year. (laughs) He is due for another prediction video, so. Yeah. I'll have to call in the intern and get a good prediction video going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you better hurry up. Yeah, we don't got much time. <laughs> couple of days. Um, so let's let's jump back into a couple more questions that we have. Um, we're getting close to our uh, time for this evening. So, um, what is your number one tip for success at a backyard ultra for our listeners? And maybe, possibly Cam, but probably not me. But maybe, but probably not. <laughs> no. Um. I'll, I'll go first. So backyard ultras, I come to realize, um, are like you run your, you basically you're running your heart out and your legs out, and you're giving it everything you have, um, and then you kick yourself in the crotch and you go home. Um, that's that's my feeling on the backyard because no matter what you, uh, no matter what happens, you feel good about. Uh, what you've accomplished, no matter how far you go. And you, you know, even if you feel good about how far you went, you always leave by saying I'm done and I can't go on. And like, um, so that's, that's like, it's very difficult in that sense. Um, and so as far as like advice, uh, on what you, I, it's, 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 you know, it's it's not having a finish line is, is, was, is my biggest uh, thing. Um, And so, and if you're, you know, depending on what your goals are, if your goal is to be the last person standing, 
or if your goal is just to run as far uh, as you can or or a PR or whatever um, uh, I would say that well yeah you just got to do it try it see what you think it's not that easy like when I first I first heard the the concept and I was like oh you know 200 miles that's that's where we'll start you know we'll we'll just start at 200 miles and then we'll go from there like it'll be the easy part 200 miles we'll get to 200 miles and then like we'll go from there and it's you know i've worked my tail off to now get to 200 miles um so it's just it's you know that you have to and everyone's different as far as the pacing so you're you just kind of have to either practice it or just start start into it and do it um and figure out what works best for you i mean i you know i did mine the first one i did i probably ran too fast um and then I tried to slow down and just started slogging. And then I sort of watched Jacob at Bob's and I decided his strategy. I really liked his strategy. So then I incorporated his strategy um, and went farther than I had. So it's definitely a learning. There's a learning curve there. If that makes sense. Definitely think so. Um, it's, so I think what you're trying to say is basically it's just there's so many un, unknown variables with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you really can't yeah. pinpoint yeah, I, I because mean, it's, a, it's a different. Good. Yeah, it's a different. And each one, I think it's it's unique to every to, you know, to, to each individual. Um, it's a it's a different animal and it's not for everyone either. Um, and I yeah, so it's. Um, but I think everyone should try it because it makes your next race for the finish line seem like really nice. Cause you're like, Hey, I'm only running. It's like, all I have to do is run to there and then I'm done. Um, so it, it, it helps, uh, put things in perspective. Um, and if you're sort of burnt out maybe of, of, of racing or running, um, it can be a new, it's definitely a new challenge and a new, it brings a new aspect to running that, it's enjoyable. What about you, Jacob? What would be your number one tip or piece of advice for somebody? Yeah, I guess for, kind of for anybody doing it, I mean, kind of do everything in your power to make it as easy as it can be for as long as it can be. You know, if you're trying to go far, you know, if you mess up your hydration and don't drink for three hours, you know, that could be enough that ends your race. I mean, even though it seems pretty easy to get you gotta stay on top of everything like drink down eat it out you know take care of your feet you know don't let something silly where you just zoned out not paying attention and your race I mean eventually it does get get hard but, you know it's no joke but uh, I really enjoyed myself the early part of the race as I thought it you know it might be kind of boring and mind numbing but it's been fun to get to run with chat i found that, you know even though maybe there's not a lot of stuff going on early in the races as far as the field then now it's a lot of fun to you know get to hang out with people talk with people it, you know it's not like a race you know it doesn't do you any good you're going to meet everybody in line so you might as well just run with people have fun you know enjoy it just make it easy get a nap Starting at mile 20, you know, starting at mile 20, you know, bring who you like, you know, just stay comfortable. So basically what I'm gathering from both groups here is to expect the unexpected. You don't really know what's going to happen and just try to do your best to make sure that you uh, take care of those variables beforehand by training and uh, keeping up on your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Feels like it's a very weird type of race to try to give advice for. It is. I mean, it. it yeah. It's it's a unique. Um, it's a unique thing. Yeah, and I think that I think to do what if you really want to go far, you you know, commitment to the race is pretty important. I mean, if I just 
you know, stuff when things get a little bit hard that, you know, I don't think you really find out, you know, how far you can go to do that. Yeah, that makes uh, perfect sense. Um, and so does all the advice. It's just, it's a shame. I was looking for some easy hack that was going to get me into pigs next year, like immediately. Um, <laughs> But with that said, uh, we'll finish up tonight with this question. Um, and so there's been a lot of talk uh, by us, by everybody essentially who follows these backyard ultras about what is sort of like the human upper limit of how far you can go in one of these races. Not necessarily any of us or, you know, Harvey or Courtney or anybody like that, but how, just how far can a human being possibly run in this fashion? So I wanted to pose that question to y'all. And what do you think is the furthest that a human being can run in a backyard ultra format race. Jacob, if you want to start us off. Oh, well, a guy from Belgium made it over 300 this year. And apparently he looked pretty good at the end of the race. So hopefully it'll be a normal year and he'll be big. I'm not sure what, what the course is like, but regardless, that's impressive. It, you know, there was some chatter before things about people wanting to go 400 miles there, which I don't know. At this point, it seems a little bit inconceivable. I think to do that, you would have to run fast enough to get lots of sleep. But, you know, people are throwing it out there and thinking about it. So, and it, to me, it seems like these races have grown in popularity. So, you know, assuming they continue to attract, you know, more more runners just by sheer numbers you're going to get you know you know more talented upper end of the field so i don't know i could see somebody hitting 400 in a couple of years what about you gabe yeah i i don't know i think at some point i mean depending on it all i think it just it depends on sleep um if you're able to sleep so that which lends itself if you have a faster course um you would technically be able to sleep more or get better sleep or more sleep because you're able to do the loops faster um at bigs in tennessee at lazas i don't know i think 300 might be about the limit on that course um i just i don't feel like that trail you're going to be able to make up any time yeah, I, um, I, I think it just, it's going to wear, I think the trail's going to wear you out. Um, so that's sort of, but I, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you, could, if you just ran it, like, yeah, if you just ran, I mean, you know, what, what's a, uh, a fella who's, there's only been one guy to do 600 miles in the six day race. Um, and he was, wasn't he at big, so I'm pretty sure he was running. Um, yeah. You know, so like, you know, if you think about that, but, or even like Olivier, he's done whatever the record is for 48 hours. He's done 260 some miles in 48 hours. Um, and I actually asked him about Olivier, I asked him when he ran his record. And I think the first 24 hours he did like 140 miles. And then the second one was like 120 or 115 or something. So the thing with, a backyard ultra is you have to answer that bell every hour and you have to it's just such a regiment regimented pace and everything is so dialed in it doesn't leave you any time to like screw around mm -hmm. so i don't know i think 300 i mean i think 300 on laz's course might be the might be the limit um but who knows? I mean, like Jacob said, you get more and more people involved and better and better runners. Or who knows? Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with the, the sleep aspect of that. I mean, that has to be the, I mean, we all have a low, there's a human limit of how long you can stay awake before you yeah, start really start hallucinating right. and, and just falling over. So I imagine, right. you know, if you could get down to like a, maybe on a flat road, a, a 38 minute or 40 minute, you know, and get a good 15 right. minutes of sleep, you know, that would go so far because you're, you're at least closer right. to getting into a deeper sleep at that point than you would be with five minute cat right. naps. So it's interesting right. to see how that would work. And like, well, and then like on the, on the, 
flip side, you know, the faster you run, the higher your heart rate and the more adrenaline you're, you mm-hmm. know, and then it's harder. It's even that much harder to fall asleep. So, so it's, it's definitely tough. Yeah. It's a weird balance to figure out, but it'll be interesting to see how it develops over the next you know, four or five years and see where people get to and what strategies get more ironed out. Yeah. Well, I'm really curious to see how like next year, if it's say a post COVID world, what, what happens with the sort of the world championship, you know, backyard, if it's going to be, you know, I don't think Laz is going to want to just have 15 people at his place. Um, I think he's going to want, but you know, I th- also his place can only handle like 75 people. Is, like it's max. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that all works its way out and shakes out. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think that's it for this evening. I don't see other questions um, in the chat or anything for this evening. So on that note, um, where can people follow you if they wanted to follow you guys? You guys on Instagram or just Strava or what? Yeah, I'm just on Strava. I'd, I'd like to uh, thank my wife uh, for crewing for me. She was excellent. Um, and I'd like to thank my parents for watching my kids for five days while me and my wife went and uh, ran for two days. Uh, so that would, and I'd, uh, my brother too, I talked to him on the phone and he helped me uh, work through some things. Um, so, and then, yeah, if you want it, Strava is the extent of my social media. And, uh, yeah, so. We'll link that below. Yeah. Jacob, what are you? What about you? Where can people follow uh, you? I'm on Strava and Facebook. And I'd also like to thank, uh, thank crew members, Kyle Weddle, who was in the chat. And uh, my father went down. And then uh, my wife uh, stayed home with the four kids. I think I hear some crying downstairs. So I may be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> after we get pop off here cool well thanks for joining us tonight and thanks for sharing your guys's perspective from this thing you know and congrats on your guys's both of your guys's amazing accomplishment 200 miles is just absolutely ridiculous and it's it was definitely well earned i mean we were rooting for you and very happy to see you guys get there um we'll yeah put- and that yeah and that having all the people ridge runner nation and all the people in the social media world i knew they were all watching and it's it was really motivating too. So thanks to all the people out there. Mm. Yep. Thank you. Cool. Well, as always, we'll put the links in the description. Um, Wednesday night at, I think it's nine o'clock. Wesley's going to yell at me if I'm wrong. Um, is a, another show. We have Bryant who is the rim to river 100 race director on. And I think that is cam and Wesley that night and they will be doing that show. So tune back in Wednesday night for another fantastic show. Thanks as always. And we will see you all next week on the next Ridge Runners Live. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Nation. Nation.